0: This week's views from the Five Seven Three podcast. Hope you all are doing well today, as we are taping this on this Tuesday morning. We got a couple things to talk about here on this week's show. We got Albert Pujols. We're going to talk a little about him. We're going to talk a little more about the Aaron Rodgers situation. Some a couple new developments happening with that, and also we're going to talk a little bit more draft. And that's why we have some uh, we have someone here today, and who else to talk with me about all this stuff than none other than someone who just became a godfather, and according to Rebecca's Facebook page, his girlfriend's Facebook page has become a mob leader. Everybody, Matt Mormon is back. How you doing, buddy?
1: Well, hello, hello, Ryan. I tell you, I really wish I would have watched The Godfather between now and then, because then I would have had some kind of like a movie reference I could have made for you there. I still have never actually seen the movie. I like, you know, I had Godfather's Pizza once. Uh, that was some good stuff. That's close enough. Uh, yeah, no, little Braden, he's my little godson now. I am the Godfather. You know, so he he's going to be the first member of my little mob. It's going to be great. You know, we're going to go around town talking football, drinking the beer. It's going to be great. You know, uh, we're going to take over the, the entire Midwest. There we go. <laughs> but, uh,
0: we we got some stuff to talk about. We're going to start off talking about the draft, of course. If you guys know last week's pod, I went hour 45. My voice was almost through after doing all that. Uh, I talked a little bit about Matt's Ravens. I talked a little bit about my Titans, and we had an idea during the pre-pod and our pre-pod talks, you know, like, hey, let's talk about the draft. Matt brought up the draft. and like, you know, let's talk about the pod a little bit. So that's where we're going to start off here first. Uh, Matt, I liked your Ravens draft last week. Of course, there's a couple other teams, particularly the Browns who, I thought had a better
1: draft in that division. How did you think your Ravens draft unfolded? So i I'm a little conflicted here because I like most of the players. Like I really love what they kind of in the middle rounds with the Ben Cleveland pick. Um, anybody whose nickname is Big Country, I'm a pretty big fan of. Um, I like one of the cor- I, I saw one of the corners is probably end up being safety. I don't remember which one it was. If it was the third rounder or the fifth rounder. Um, And then this is a very, very common Baltimore Ravens thing lately where whatever the Ravens have identified as their big need in the draft that they take their first pick with, they double down later. So this year you had Bateman and you had Tylan uh, Wallace in the fourth round. Last year when they took Patrick Queen, remember they took Malik Harrison, another middle linebacker in the third round. The year before that when they went Hollywood Brown in the first, they also took uh, Miles Boykin. in round three the year before that when they took Hayden Hurst in the first well that's when Mark Andrews was the third round pick um so this has been a very common thread for many years basically since the uh Eric DaCosta regime sort of you know got started getting the handoff from Ozzie Newsom to double dip on the big need of the draft which I think is an interesting way of going about it and I think for the most part it's worked Um, Because, you know, Harrison's a really nice player. I mean, obviously, Andrews overtook Hurst. Um, You obviously would prefer to have that first player be the better one. But, you know, you made sure that you took care of your big need. And I think that that was one of the things the Ravens really focused on. It it was kind of a weird draft for the Ravens in that way. Because I think most years, the Ravens go for the best player available. And that's the way I prefer to see a team get built. But I really think this is kind of a need-heavy draft for the Ravens you had Rashad Bateman in the first I don't love him as a player I I think he's a little slow to be a wide receiver one I know he gets a lot of Anquan Bolden comparisons I think that's the hope um yeah but Bolden was a special player you gotta have a special toughness to pull that off with those physical abilities um and then they had the Jason or as he now wants to be known as Odafe Owe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Odafe Owe the pass rusher who had no sacks last year, but people have compared him kind of to Neil Hunter. He might be a little bit of a late bloomer. I've seen the DK Metcalf of pass rushers comparison, <laughs> yeah. which I, that's exciting. You know that maybe the production was <laughs> there, but the, like the skills are there. Um, so those two first. I mean, it's interesting. It, it's just, it's so weird to see the Ravens kind of going with their needs and not just going with the best players. Like if it was me, I think. I mean, obviously, if you if you look at the the draft, I guess a lot of teams didn't think Trayvon Morig was the best player on the board at twenty seven. I mean, he fell to you know almost the middle of the second round. Uh, right. but that's the <laughs> guy I would have liked to have seen. Landon Dickerson, which obviously later on took Ben Cleveland, so that kind of filled that role. You know, those are a couple of the guys I kind of liked. I do like the fact that we went with Bateman over like Elijah Moore or Ron <laughs> Moore. You know, those like because sw- there was like. Eight receivers in this class that people were comparing to Tyreek Hill like it was driving me insane right I don't think I was ever on the pod to lead to the draft at all uh this year I just had some stuff going on but it drove me insane how every article I read was oh this guy's Tyreek Hill Jalen Waddle he's Tyreek Hill Devonta Smith is Tyreek Hill Eli Moore hey he's gonna be Tyreek Hill right Rondale Moore he's Tyreek Hill (laughs) 2-2 2-2 two, two Atwell is Tyreek Hill. Like, there's eight Tyreek Hills. And yeah. so I'm really happy that so the Ravens take the Anquan Bolden among all the Tyreek Hills. They looked at the one that was like, yeah, you're big. We're going to go with you because we have three Tyreek Hills. <laughs> right? Devin DuVernay is Tyreek Hill. So I do like the fit from that perspective. Obviously, you have to help Lamar out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've yeah. been preaching it for three years that the Ravens can't get a wide receiver to come here. You know they got Sammy Watkins, which is fine, and and then you bring in Bateman to go along with Hollywood. I like all that. You know, Ho- hopefully Bateman can slot right in that first year and, and be productive. You know, be what be what the Ravens need it to be. Um, you know, I, I do have some concerns on him though, but Oway I like a lot. I like the Oway pick even more. Uh, if if he hits his upside, if he if he becomes a football player, not just an athlete, he could be a real record. Yeah, um, I, it, I, it was also kind of just interesting to see the Ravens not trade back at all, but go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, uh, uh, going uh, with Owe, I said last week,
0: there's no better place for him, I think, to go as a pass rusher than Baltimore.
1: The, well, the, the and I think, well, I think with the Ravens too, is, is that like, like you're just about to say that our track record of developing these guys. Uh, you know, I, I'm not necessarily, I know, I know exactly what would happen if he goes up this year and puts up like a three sack season, right? People are going to be disappointed. Right. But I think you look at, you know, the, uh, Matthew Judons, the Zadarius Smith types, you know, Tyus Bowser, it took him a couple of years before he really got going. Like the Ravens, they, they can manufacture these pass rushers and sometimes it just takes a little bit. You know, uh, yeah, it, it just it it can take a minute before they really get going. John Simon is the one that kind of comes to mind. Uh, Courtney Upshaw, you know, a former mm-hmm. top pick. He he was a second rounder. Uh, Pernell McPhee, who's back with the team. You know, like it, sometimes these guys take a couple years to really get going. So it'll be interesting to see uh how that how that kind of goes for him. I think he's going to be given a lot of opportunities right away, though, because No Judon, Noan Gakway. You know, I right. still feel really the effects, the the tremors of No Terrell Suggs, <laughs> you know. Uh, so there'll be opportunities to rush the passer for him. And it'll be interesting to see what kind of, you know, if teams really funnel their blocking towards him because there's no other dominant passer. I expect the Ravens defense is still going to blitz a ton. You know, they're going to manufacture that pressure. Right. But, uh, yeah, I like it. I like his, I love the, the Ben Cleveland pick. He's a guy that seems... He fits right in. He's just a big dude who wants to run block and run people over in the middle. I'm excited about that one. Yeah. Uh, I mean,
0: yeah. seeing him play at Georgia, yeah. <laughs> like, this dude is big, he's nasty, he's physical. He fits right into the Ravens psyche.
1: Uh, one uh, other guy I, w- I want to highlight too real quick, Ryan. Uh Ben Mason. I, Bal- I want to talk bless about him too. I going to talk about the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> God, we have like no other team in all of <laughs> modern football would ever spend a fifth round pick on a fullback. But the Ravens are looking at Patrick Ricard and they're like, dude, you are valuable to this team and you're a free agent after this year. So we're gonna go we're gonna go and we're gonna AJ Dillon this and we're gonna stop, we're gonna draft <laughs> the replacement a year early at fullback who can <laughs> also play defensive line. <laughs> <laughs> he is literally <laughs> going to be a rookie Patrick Ricard. He can learn from Ricard how to handle the preparation and all of those things. I think it's hilarious. I think it's awesome. It's just the most Ravens thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I-, I thought so too. And then take a look at where he's from.
1: Oh, Michigan. That's where John Harbaugh is. Not a surprise there. That's true. I believe, did I see we drafted a player from Michigan like... Five out of six drafts, or something like that. Since well, since Harbaugh took over, it's like almost yeah. every draft since since Jim went there, the Ravens have either signed an undrafted free agent or drafted a player from Michigan. Well,
0: that's it, I mean, J- John Harbaugh's got some good intel.
1: I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Jim can call him and be like, "Hey, look, this guy's good. This guy's not take the you know <laughs> yeah. who, you know don't believe the hype on this guy, that kind of stuff." So. It's nice to have that have friends in the uh in the college in the minor leagues you know. Uh Ryan how are you feeling right now about the Tennessee Titans? Uh I would like
0: to add one more point about Ben Mason. I'm looking at this ESPN article and his nickname is
1: Bench Press. <laughs> <laughs> I heard Big Country. Well, no that's like a, th- that's Cleveland I think. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, who Oh, I'm, I'm Ben Mason. Okay, Bench yeah. Press. I like that. That's another yeah. that's a good one. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah Yeah. Uh as so as
0: far as your Ravens draft I like I thought yeah, like I, I thought of course y'all y'all would draft a fullback. Of course you would. Um <laughs> We handcuffed our fullback <laughs> The Baltimore Ravens, the
1: only team that handcuffs their fullback. <laughs> yeah. We look at the death chart, we go, man, we're gonna need a second fullback. We we can't operate with just one um <laughs> uh, all right so the Titans draft uh so I went
0: on here last week and said how I did one of my mock drafts early on that we did before we did the combined mock is that I had Caleb Farley going to the Titans at 22 of course things could have changed within a matter of weeks at that point draft night he falls to 22 and the Titans take him and of course I mean there's obvious risk there, but you and me talked about a little bit on Twitter and I've always kind of thought this. There's a little bit of a Jeffrey Simmons kind of comparison Mm -hmm. here. Now the Jeff, now the Jeffrey Simmons comparison stops because Simmons had some character issues. Simmons had had a torn ACL fairly fairly. has got a couple more issues that are a little bit more worrisome than that. But other than that, there's a, there's kind of a comparison there to where like, if, His potential hits, if you hit on him and he booms instead of bust, then it's really going to help out your defense and it's going to allow you to move on from certain players. Like with the Titans, they moved on from Jarrell Casey and they felt fine with Simmons taking on that main role on the defensive line in year two. And so that might allow Farley to, fairly Farley or however you want to say his last name, it might allow him something similar like that to happen. Uh obviously they signed Janoris Jenkins in the offseason as well as bring back Christian Fulton who only played three games. So it fairly hits this guy has top corner potential. He's everything you'd want in a corner. Size, speed, instincts. He's also he's really confident. And you want your corners to do that. Those are what some of the best corners are. Look at Richard Sherman for
1: years. I mean <laughs> Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> Jalen Ramsey. Even Revis. Yeah. Even Revis. He knew how good he was. Yeah, and so I feel
0: like tap into some of that and if he can move past all these injuries, great round one pick. And really I think this whole draft kind of depends on what happens with him. Because if he can stay healthy, then the Titans draft would is going to be really, really something to look at. It's like, hey, we got a top ten type of player at twenty two. It's again, it's kind of the same way with Simmons. Simmons was a top fifteen guy, probably, but then he had all this stuff come up with him, and he was he fell down draft boards. So, I so I like the first round pick. I and then in round two, here's where my questions start to hap- come. For the Titans, because like the whole thing about the Soul Drafts is like, when are we gonna get a receiver? When are we gonna get a receiver? You know, we have to get somebody across from AJ Brown. Uh in the second round, they take Dylan Radnews from North Dakota State, Trey Lance's left tackle, who he's obviously gonna be playing in the right tackle. I will say the one thing I did read about him last night is somebody compared him to Michael Ruse, a former Titans offensive tackle who was really good to us, really good for us for so many years, played right tackle at one point, and then moved over to left tackle. So maybe there's some LeWan insurance here. If, sure.
1: Uh, I mean, Lawan's had some injuries.
0: Yeah, LeWan's had some injuries. That's something of a concern. I know there's a little bit of a tease here about them uh looking at left tackles, and Lawan and Vrabel were on it. Uh, we're kind of going back and forth and teasing each other on Twitter about it. Come, I come. not think of it. I think that was one of Braywell's only tweets. They tweeted out within the year. So um, <laughs> uh, I like the player. I just think we could have gotten a tackle in the third round. Because if you look at the board, the, the way the tackle board fell is that I feel like you could have got one at, in that with your third round pick there. I don't think there's another tackle taken to like in the 70s or something. And so maybe he thought the run on offensive tackles was going to happen. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to go up and get my guy to go and do it. The thing I like about Rad News is that he fits the Titans' mold, kind of like the whole thing with going to the Ravens, find the person who fits the mold of the team. And so I think he, he fits that – fits what the Titans would want to do. And gives – I, I hate taking another tackle, but – this is this is what happens when you decline options on Jack Conklin when Dennis Kelly retires. Who, yeah, honestly, shout out to Dennis Kelly for putting up some good years. That's after, after getting traded, uh, in the Doriel Green Beckham trade.
1: <laughs> wow, that's a name.
0: Yeah, that's a name. That oh, oh, DGB. I know. I that was I was dawning on that when I saw his retirement tweet. He's like, we traded for him, and he's put in several good years. Well, his DGB is out of the league. And uh, so, obviously, I hate taking tackle tackle here, but it's a need. The third-round pick is, I think, where – all right, I have some questions here. Because I think at, what, 85 is when they were picking, there's a run on players I think they wanted. With Diami Brown going to Washington, Mm. Hunter, Hunter Long going to Miami, Tommy Trimble, who supposedly they really liked, going to Carolina. I think all those players going a few picks before they were up. It was like, you know what? Let's trade back. Let's get another pick in here. And they traded back with the Packers. They select Monty Rice. Fun fact about Monty Rice. I think he was a Titans fan growing up. Well, that's fun. At least. Um, from what I've heard, he's from Huntsville, Alabama, which is not that far from Nashville. And, there's some pictures he posts on Instagram stories about him going to Titans games when he was younger, uh, hmm. so I, I like that. As far as the pick goes, I don't know why him here at ninety two. I feel like the wide receiver again is. I'm gonna keep on
1: pounding the table for that. But I well, do see, at that point, uh, the wide receivers kind of went right in front of you there, and, and right. the next wide receiver off the board was the Titans with Des Fitzpatrick, right. I'll get into that pick a little bit later. Like I,
0: um, but my Rice, I think this guy, obviously the Titans just declined Rashad and Rashawn Evans' fifth year option, and so that's going to be a point to look at with them drafting a linebacker at ninety-two in the third round. And of course, Jayon Brown's on a one-year deal. I feel like this guy's more of a Rashawn Evans type of replacement than a Jayon Brown. I think different mold. So. I, I mean, we haven't had good luck with Georgia players in the last couple of years. He drafted DeAndre Walker in 2019, and then everybody knows about the Isaiah Wilson stuff that happened last year. Um, So, hopefully this Georgia player hits. Now, pick 100, the second third-round pick we picked up, we have Elijah Molden, I loved. This guy can be a really good nickelback. Now, the measurements don't... You know, some people were knocking on the measurements as forty time and all that stuff, but they were just looking at the tape, and they were just lauding over his tape. And I remember reading an article, and I didn't think we were going to draft him anyway, but somebody saying he has some Tyron Matthew Buddha Baker type of tendencies. Okay. So, and this is way back before we drafted him. So I'm so looking back on that now, it's like. If we're able to get a talent like that, that that can play a little bit like Honey Badger and a little bit like Buddha, at pick 100, that can go a long way with this defense, too. And also, it's a double-dip at corner. So, you're only having Jenkins there for one year. The plan probably is for next year, for Fairley to, to, to take the number one corner role, Fulton to take number two, and then Molden to play the nickel. And also maybe play a little bit of safety, be the third safety, depending on how that situation plays out. But then the Des Fitzpatrick pick, I kind of got the feeling when I saw the Panthers were trading down, was like, oh crap, I think it's the Titans that are trading up. And sure enough, it was the Titans, and I'm like, I feel like we're going wide receiver here. We got to, and we did. It's not the one I expected. I think it's one that was completely off a lot of people's boards that, were pro- that probably thought he was going to go a little bit later. And I don't know how I feel about it. The guy is six two. He has a little bit of speed to him. I just don't. I feel like there are some other players. Like, Tyler Wallace was still on the board at that point. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I would have been happy with him. I was like, you know what? Great pick. Great pick at the top of the fourth round. He falls all the way to you at 109. Great. Fitzpatrick, though, I don't know. Uh, The one thing he is good at is contested catches, which that's something the Titans need now, now that John knew that Corey are both gone. So getting some of that back helps, but I I just don't know about the pick. The Rashad Weaver pick. Now, of course, there's been some stuff coming out with him with some legal trouble, which... uh, was not it's not good for the Tines, considering what happened last year. Is that Weaver's already gotten into some trouble here. That stuff is going to play out. But as far as the Weaver pick in general, setting aside that stuff, i like the pick. That uh, he can, he's a guy that can play inside and out. I think that's something the Tines need. Uh, Of course, I signed Dupree. Harold Landry's going to be here for one more year at least. So maybe this is a guy that can be a, a replacement down the line, but landing him at pick one thirty five, I liked it. And round six, they take Racing McMath, LSU wide receiver. He's a speedy wideout, but I I feel like he's more of a project. He's a guy that's going to be spending a lot of time on special teams, and then Brady Breeze, which I like the name. That's a that's a good that's a good name. <laughs> Like, you think about it, his name is a combination of Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Although I was going to say, why is he not a, he not a quarterback? <laughs> exactly. So, we draft him with our last pick out of Oregon. He's another guy that can be some depth down the line, some special teams. I just feel like there's probably some other positions we could have attacked. We could have drafted a wide receiver a little bit better. Maybe go defensive line, interior offensive line. Uh, tight end. There was no tight end selected in this draft, but they picked up two in the undrafted free agency period. So all in all, I thought it was kind of a meh kind of draft from the Titans.
1: Well, I I think my big question for you is the wide receivers. Yeah. I mean, not taking one until the fourth, and they haven't done diddly-do in free agency for one. I mean, maybe they're banking on a cap casualty julio i'm Um, looking at julio oh sure julio i mean we're all we're all looking at julio (laughs) (laughs) i mean i think you know yeah like if i had to pick a place for jameson crowder to land i think the titans are probably my bet but like i'm not inspired right now by des fitzpatrick and josh reynolds yeah, and I gotta tell you, Ryan, too. Uh, one of my friends just posted the other day about uh, you know rank- what? What's what your power rankings for the, for the uh, NFL? And I had the Titans down. I think it was twenty first. Mm. I am not impressed by your team right now. I am heavily concerned about the Titans for this year. I think if Derrick Henry falls off at all, they don't have the passing game to make up for it. They've done nothing with that pass rush. That was terrible. I'm worried about you. Well, I think the one thing that's really
0: kind of hurt us, and I've seen a couple of Titans fans bring it up, was the fact that last year's draft did not go as planned. And that sure Isaiah Wilson, that pick didn't pan out. You had Darrington Evans, one of your third-round picks last year, did not play a whole lot of games. Christian Fulton, your second-round pick, did not play in a whole lot of games. So when you got some of your top picks from your draft not playing, I mean, obviously with Evans, I mean, you're not going to unseat Henry, but at least give the guy some rest. Fulton, that hurts, but I don't think anything could have helped the defense last year. I mean, nothing. So, I don't know. I am I am kind of iffy about what the whole offense is going to look like now without Corey, without Johnu. I would have at least bet we would have kept one of them, but both of them end up leaving in free agency.
1: But. Well, and I think it's it's very telling. Like you mentioned that you we know, with Wilson and Fulton being tackles and corners, that this year the top two picks were a corner and a tackle. Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I think that that's a very good point. That maybe they don't. Well, obviously Wilson, you know, that that's done and over yeah. with. But maybe they don't. Yeah, maybe they don't trust where Fulton's at the moment. And if Farley can also hit, hey, that's great. If one of the two hits, then we made sure we took care of that cornerback position. Um, and then obviously, yeah, you needed a tackle to replace the Isaiah Wilson fiasco. So that kind of cornered you a little bit on those first two picks. And then by the time the third rolled around, maybe they didn't like the receivers that were on the board still. And maybe so. Know, I can't really blame you necessarily too much by round three to look around and just kind of shrug. So I, I think that that can be the, the situation that arose there. That that very well could be. Um, uh, but you know, it's kind of a bummer that uh, <laughs> plays yeah. out that way on. Yeah.
0: I will say, you I do to, like uh, I do like that they've gone after the defense. They have tried
1: to address it. Sure. Them. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's an identity thing for the Titans. And, you know, when you've got the Henry offense going, you know, I think you want your defense to make sure you're still in those games. Because if the defense blows up and gives up 14 points off the top, then you force forced to throw. Well, then yeah. your best offensive weapon's kind of out of the game. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, I I like that they've been aggressive in trying to improve it. Now that will remain to be seen, and of course, I mean we got the schedule coming out tomorrow, so we're gonna find out of pretty course. soon. So I guess let's let's transition to Aaron Rodgers. Let's talk about him.
1: Uh, been anything going on with Aaron Rodgers lately, Matt? Well, there was this little thing that happened. Um, He demanded a trade. (laughs) Uh, On draft day, it came out that Rodgers was pretty much telling people, I'm not playing for the Packers ever again. And on that day, that led to a whole bunch of people being like, oh my, are the Denver Broncos going to trade the number nine pick for Aaron Rodgers? That didn't happen. Um... Brian, like I said, I didn't get a chance to listen to your last week's podcast, so forgive me if I ask you any questions you already went over, or if I I touch on anything you already went over. Sure. Uh, But, so, (laughs) first of all, it reminds me a lot of The Last Dance from last year with Michael (laughs) Jordan, where MJ was basically F this guy to the GM. The GM, in my opinion, is kind of doing what GMs are supposed to do. To an extent, at least, of, you know, planning for the future, you know. I wouldn't have necessarily spent that draft pick on Jordan Love, but, you know, right. I think that there is... There was the right idea behind the pick, even though I think it was a terrible... It was a year at least too early um, on doing it, because Rogers' contract basically was like, dude, you can't move on from me for a while. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, like, at least two years at that point, so... Here we are. Here we sit, and Rogers—I mean, Jake Kumero—has was apparently that was one of the nails on the one of the several nails in the coffin. Was when uh, uh, Rogers publicly was like, "Yeah, Jake Kumero, I really like what he's been doing." Next day, cut. <laughs> it's like, come <laughs> on. <laughs> so, uh, you know, obviously, there's the Jeopardy factor in there. He could just go retire and host Jeopardy, and right. hey. <laughs> If you're hosting Jeopardy, Cleo Mack's not gonna run on that stage and tackle you, you know. So there's like there's that factor for Rodgers that like oh yo Jeopardy that's kind of a nice little gig there. Yeah. Um, also too, he is 38 years old. Well, he's about to he's gonna be 38 in December. He, it'll be his age 38 season. He ain't young. No. And so if you're the Packers, what can you actually get in a trade? Ryan, I looked it up. Do you know what the Packers got in exchange for Brett Favre? At the same exact age, when they, when they traded Brett Favre to the Jets. Well, when was that? When was that trade? Was that early 2010s? I uh, that... late, late 2000s, I believe huh? Favre was there in 08. I believe. Okay. I believe. It was, I believe Madden 09 or oh yeah Madden 09. I think is when Brett was on the cover as a Jet. Okay. Uh, I think I could be a year or two off on those, but either way, um. Do you know what they got in exchange for Brett Favre at the same age? By the way, it is the same because he was the same age when the Packers drafted uh, Jordan Love as Rodgers. It's the same age right now as what Brett was when he was traded. Do you know what that age is? Mm-mm. 38 years. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you know what? Uh, what they got in exchange? I'm assuming there was a first round pick involved. A fourth round pick. Oh, man. Now, Favre <laughs> was coming off of a fine year. It, was, it wasn't, it was you know, an MVP year like what Rodgers was coming off of, but still a fine year. The Packers are just, I mean, yes, it would be ludicrous to trade Aaron Rodgers for anything less than at least one first-round pick. Right. But, Ryan, I gotta look around the league right now. The teams that were that we were looking at just last, you know, a week ago of saying, well, you know, these teams could all really use Russell Wilson, right, or or Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Pretty much all of them took care of their quarterback situation in some way or another. You know, the Bears, which obviously the Packers would never trade Aaron Rodgers to the Bears, no. But the ba- you know, but that was a Russell Wilson spot though, so it's worth mentioning that there's a quarterback need there. You know, they went up and got Fields, right. 49ers got Trey Lance. The Jets, they they went in with Zach Wilson. Um, you know the 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 Patriots, they went and got Mac Jones. The the Broncos, they did make that move for Teddy Bridgewater. You know Teddy's not going to stop you from getting Aaron Rodgers, but no. it's something. They they did something about their quarterback though, right? Um, so a lot of those landing spots where I and I think a lot of uh columnists this past week, copy and pasted their Deshaun Watson articles and just changed the names to Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Cause a lot of these like hypothetical trade offers I'm seeing are like, there is no way that the Broncos should give up Bradley Chubb for Aaron Rogers. A- am I off base on this? Hmm.
0: Uh, no, I would say if he was a few years younger, if Aaron was a few years younger, at this, and this was happening, But he's not, cause if he's a few yeah. years younger,
1: than he's Russell Wilson. Yeah. But, uh, at 38, I mean you I yeah, Ru- a Russell Wilson a... I can do, you know. Right. And yeah, one first rounder, sure. Yes. That has to be on the table. I uh I did I did brainstorm the other day with a friend of mine and I came up with a fun there's no way this is gonna happen. Alright, there's no way. But I have a fun idea. Are you ready for this? Let's go. This feels very NBA, but what if, let's say it's the Dolphins, right? Let's say mm-hmm. they make an agreement with the Packers and said, hey, we're going we're to make a trade for Aaron Rodgers. And every year that Rodgers plays, you get our first round pick for that corresponding year. Hmm. That protects the Dolphins from him playing one year and hosting Jeopardy. Because then, hey, it's done after one year, right? We had Rogers. we gave you a first-round pick, it is what it is. But for the Packers side of things, it is getting you, for sure, one first. Because, you know, obviously if you trade him, you're going to get one first back, you would imagine. Unless he immediately just says, F off, I'm going to go play Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's potential there for multiple firsts, you know? And, and it's not like, he, again, this is not trading for Russell Wilson, where he's only like 31, He's 38. At most, I would say Rogers has three years left. Yeah. You know, un- I mean, obviously, you can look at Tom Brady and say, well, he can play until he's 50, and sure, then the Dolphins don't pick him the first round for 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> the LA Rams would make that trade, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> They'd make that every time, Matt. <laughs> but I think that that could, like I said, I think that that's too creative. I feel like that, that that's too... That, that wouldn't happen, I don't. But uh yeah, no. yeah, it was an idea I had uh, on the Rodgers trade scenario. So I'm gonna make one guarantee for you, Ryan. I guarantee that if slash when Rogers is traded, we are gonna the, the general public is gonna look at the package that is sent back to the Packers and they're gonna go, Wow, that's all you could get for Aaron Rodgers. Wow. Like if that's it, that's all you got, you know, a first and a third, and that's it for Aaron Rodgers. I guarantee you that's going to be the reaction. Um, but I can also guarantee you that teams aren't... Because also, too, you know, comparing it to the Sean Watson situation or the, or the the Russell Wilson situation, the Packers, again, sort of shot themselves in the foot with Jordan Love because getting Tua in return is not a big chip for them. Yeah. You know, the Packers value of that returning court you know, with, remember the Jets conversations, right? Of, oh, we can send you Sam Darnold plus two or three first-rounders for Deshaun Watson. Well, the Packers would have looked at that situation. Obviously, Darnold's not there anymore, but they would have looked at Darnold and said, we don't want Sam Darnold. We have Jordan Love. We have our future quarterback. You know, maybe they would be like, okay, sure, give us Teddy. You know, give us a bridge guy. But that's it, you know. um They, they aren't interested in that QB of the future type of uh, of prospect coming back. They wouldn't view him... Nearly as valuable, so yeah, I, I think that that's that's an interesting scenario that does have the Packers in a in a kind of rare spot, unlike some other teams that are looking for quarterbacks. Um, and two, you know, his his contract, I, I think that's where this all really started, was because only like what a month or two ago he wanted an extension, right? Mm-hmm. Like he wanted to renegotiate his deal. And it makes sense because after this season, he can get cut for a $17 million dead cap hit. Right. Um, but it would save them 22 mil. So that's a big difference there on, on almost 40 compared to 17. So if you're Rodgers, yeah, you're kind of looking at it and saying, well, this upcoming year is the last year of my contract. Give me an extension while I'm 38 because who knows? This year may not be an MVP year and all of a sudden your value will go down and mm-hmm. you aren't getting yep. 40 mil. You know, so uh, I, I think he engaged in those contract talks and they didn't go well. And so that might be part of why he threw up his hands and said, fine, get rid of me then, trade me. I want out. Um, I think that's all another side effect. But Ryan, I want to talk to you too about one thing. And it is, it's been bothering me. It, it bothered me with Russ, but I think the Seahawks did a really good job Ryan, this whole... And Brady. I feel like it's it kind of started with Tom Brady a year ago. I think this notion that people are like, you have to help your superstar quarterback. I think that's the wrong way to build a team. So, yeah. like, yes. Like, you do need to help them. Don't get me wrong. But, like, you should kind of let that star quarterback... Elevate your other players. Am I wrong on this that you should then be investing your resources on the defense, where the quarterback has no say on what happens there? You know, you can have Aaron Rodgers. How many years we see with Drew Brees? Right, you have a great offense, but your defense sucks, and you go eight and eight. So invest your high draft picks. Invest most of your cap on the defense, and you look at Aaron Rodgers. You look at Russell Wilson. You look at Tom Brady, and you say, "I trust you to," you know. Be able to bail us out Like I think a lot of people And don't get me wrong you should help that quarterback out a little bit right And hey by the way Aaron Rodgers You've got Devontae Adams You be thankful for what you've got Because unless you're traded to the Chiefs Unless you're traded to the Arizona Cardinals And by the way those two places aren't wanting you You're going to have a worse number one wide receiver Your number one wide receiver Wherever you go will be a downgrade So before you go crying too much about your receivers there Aaron Rodgers you look at Devontae Adams, and you give him a big ol' hug, you buy him a big steak. Yeah. Because well, wherever th- you go, you will not have Devontae Adams.
0: Well, the thing is is that the pe- players they picked up, the Lazars, Falken, Vol- Valdes, Cantlings, Tunyans of the World. Right. I mean, they've all made steady improvement. They've all proved that they're pretty solid players, and I don't think that would have been the case if Aaron wasn't there. Sure, anyway. but I think
1: it's really easy to look at the Chiefs and say, well... You know, Patrick Mahomes has Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. It's mm-hmm. easy to look at the Saints and go, well, Drew Brees has Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, which, by the way, they weren't high picks. None of those four guys were. <laughs> but, <No. laughs> uh, you know, it, it's easy to look around at these other star quarterbacks with their star weapons, right? Brady went to Tampa. He's got Godwin. He's got Evans. You know, he was able to bring in his friends with Gronk and Fournette and A.B. You know, it, it's easy for Rodgers, I think, to look around at those scenarios and be like, well, where where are my toys? And I think if you're the Packers, though, I like that way of building the team, where the Packers are saying, you are our quarterback, you are a monster, you are a superstar. We trust you to take Amari Rodgers, who is a third-round pick, and make him Randall Cobb. We trust you to take MVS, who is a fifth-round pick, and make him a deep threat. You know, we t- we trust you to take Robert Tunyon. Yeah, I don't know, even know I, where I don't he came. I think from. you're wrong on that. I and think, make you know, him a Greg Olson in type stuff. of the tight end. will come with time. You know, we trust you to make these guys the better. With and look, we're gonna invest in the and offensive line. That's right? gonna like, help We, we off off have a very good forward. offensive line. They yari Thierry. gosh, Gulaga was a Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, the players they are today. Overnight, I forget who the guard was, but obviously Linsley at center there for so long. So anyway, so yeah, no, if I'm the Packers, though, I like the the team-building aspect of we've got that superstar quarterback, we trust you. Because look at the Seahawks right now, right? The Seahawks have a awful defense. It played a little bit better towards the end of the year when they had some crappy competition. The Seahawks have a bad defense, and Russ can only really take them so far with that offense. And this offseason, Russ complained a little bit about the offense. So the Seahawks, who have... Minimal sap, uh, cap, salary cap Available this year They have minimal draft They didn't have a, fir- a a pick until the third round And what did the, the Seahawks do this offseason, Ryan? They got Gabe Jackson, a guard They got Gerald Everett A pass-catching tight end And their first pick in round three They took a wide receiver mm-hmm. They spent all of their best resources on. They brought back Carlos Dunlap for the defense, sure But they spent a lot of their resources On the offense To make Russell Wilson happy Whenever that defense is, did not, it got worse because they lost to number one corner. Yeah. Like they spent those resources on the offense when maybe they should have been using those on the defense. You know, I think, and hopefully, I really hope Russ is level headed enough to look at what the Seahawks had and what the Seahawks did. And I hope Russ is able to say, you know what? You did what you could. Thank you. I'm happy. Cause also Russ, I don't think was ever quite as F you get me out of here as Rogers was. Yeah, but no. <laughs> I, I I just think and then you know obviously Brady like that scenario comes back all the time on Brady where it's like well you know the Patriots they never gave him any help you know all he had was Edelman for all those years and sure I get that but they were winning because Brady carried the offense and so many of those defensive players were really really good that they invested a lot in I mean if you are if you're paying a bunch of receivers you probably don't have Stephon Gilmore and Danta Hightower and Devin McCory. You right. know, that's a guy on each level there, you know, that, that you probably don't have if you're paying all your receivers a bunch of money. And if you're paying a running back, you know, oh yeah, by the way, Seahawks paid Chris Carson too, didn't they? hmm. So they that's my little, that's my little whole rant on these quarterbacks I feel like they need all of the weapons on their side. Teams probably shouldn't fall into that and they should let these superstar quarterbacks, like you have to give them some help, right? You know, you ha- like, if, if Rodgers didn't have Devontae Adams, and if instead his number one receiver was, I don't know, let's go with Hollywood Brown, why don't we? <laughs> like, okay, then sure, I get it. I get your frustration. But, you know, if Brady never even had a, a Gronk or an Edelman or a Welker or a Randy, okay, sure, I get it. But, like, <laughs> you gotta help the quarterback out a little bit you got to protect him because he doesn't have a whole lot of say on that one, right? Like You do have to invest in the offensive line. That was one of Mm -hmm. Russell's big points. I think Russell, sure, I get that one. Um, But I think that when you've got these superstar quarterbacks, I think you have to let them take on a little bit more on their own plate, and you have to force that on them a little bit and say, I'm going to spend my money on the defense because I've got you on the offense. I don't have an Aaron Rodgers on defense that's my big diatribe about ryan how are you <laughs> well i i i agree with you that
0: you know the quarterbacks you, yeah you do have to help them but you gotta invest in other places the defense i mean you bring out the saints a, a while ago with them going a nate with that good offense that they had and the defense was doing horribly now the defense has somewhat become a little bit better over time they've invested High capital and draft picks on that side of the ball. Marshawn Lattimore, is one of them. So you invest those, you invest your capital, your assets, into into all that stuff. Everything's going to take care of itself. Um, the a couple of things I do want to point out. I do find it funny that you know there's all this talk about, you know, after the Packers get knocked out of the playoffs, all and uh, Aaron made some kind of cryptic comment about maybe he's not going to be in green bay any longer and then that talk sort of died down and then this came back up and that all and that talk picked up again and also another thing that's changed for aaron in that time he just became engaged like <laughs> yeah he he dropped it on everybody like a
1: bombshell i um, just likes to do that doesn't he he, he likes to not not that he likes to get, he doesn't like to get engaged many times. But he likes to <laughs> hold his cards close to his vest and then be like, Oh hey, here's a thing, you know? Like like he'll be quiet, and he'll be quiet, he'll be quiet. And then next thing you know, he's chugging the beer at the Bucks game, right? Like yeah. <laughs> he's you know, hanging out with Danica Patrick, right? Like, yeah, like I you know, everyone thought he was still dating Danica when he got engaged to you. I'm not sure who she is. Um One other thing, by the way, too, Ryan, uh I, I think you mentioned it there where the defense and, and the guys you know the Packers had a couple crappy years well he was hurt in 2017 Rodgers kind of had a few down years before this Super Bowl or the, this MVP season mm-hmm. um yeah and in 2019 when they made the NFC championship again that was the year where they really paid big on defense that was the Preston uh Smith and Zadaria Smith offseason Mm-hmm. like yeah it was you would think Rodgers would look at that and say look we just got us the NFC championship last year we paid on defense and we were really good and i only threw by the way Rodgers so yeah you just threw 48 touchdowns you hadn't hit over tw- over 27 in 3 years and like just a year ago right now people were kind of like is Rodgers declining? You know, yeah, he's still having these 4,000 yard seasons, but the touchdowns aren't there. Like, there's a reason I was able to pick him in round 11 of a fantasy football league. Like, he. I, I think last year might have been his last incredible season. And it was incredible. He was awesome.
0: There's a so chance we'll that
1: that's it. I mean, 37, that's
0: old, man. <laughs> Yeah, and pro- they'll probably it'll probably will be his last great season. There'll probably be some good seasons from now on, where like they're not MVP level, but for an NFL quarterback,
1: they're pretty good. Sure, you know um, that. Yeah, I mean the worst of Aaron Rodgers, you would imagine is still gonna be really good, but you know he's going into age thirty eight. Peyton was thirty nine when he was awful for the Broncos that one year, you know his final year. He was pretty good the year before, you know, it could be a Peyton Manning scenario where like the MVP year, right, Peyton threw 55 touchdowns, then okay, a really, really good year, you know, 4,700 yards and 39 touchdowns, heck yeah, Peyton Manning, and then the <laughs> wheels just fall off one <sighs> year later. Like, that could happen. Yeah, good. And that's why I think a receiving team has to be wary of that. Yeah. You know, I I I saw like the like the 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 Raiders were kind of thrown out there as a possibility with Carr, <laughs> and like if you're Gruden, like I don't know, man, you've got five what five six seven years left on that ten year contract. Do you really want to mortgage too much of your future by going with Rogers? I don't know. I don't know what the answer there is. I mean, Matt, you got to consider it's the Raiders.
0: So I mean. It's the Raiders. It's Chucky. <laughs> I mean that <laughs> they would do. It would wouldn't surprise me if John Gruden was like, you know what, we're chained for Aaron Rodgers.
1: I know it wouldn't surprise me either. Uh, Ryan, <laughs> you want to shift gears to a different old person with a big contract? Uh, sure. Uh, I I
0: actually looked, and you know when Aaron Rodgers dropped that bombshell when Which he one? was getting the gauge? Uh, when he was getting I was think that it was the Super Bowl? No, I think it was uh when they had the award ceremony and he got announced as MVP and he Yes. He, he, <laughs> yes I think everybody's was like was... Wait, what?
1: <laughs> yes, you're right, because it was during his speech where like he mentioned like his fiance, and I think everyone in the room was like, wait, what? <laughs> Did he say fiance? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh there's Aaron Rodgers. Uh there was uh something about Devontae M said if like he did get traded that he would have to think about maybe asking his way out of Green Bay too. So it, it's not fun times up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, but since when are there fun times up in Green Bay? Right, Matt?
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> so yeah, let's switch gears to talk about another person that's getting old. <laughs> With uh not Howard getting old. is Um, let me tell you. uh, So in pre in pre pod, we were sitting around talking about MLB the show and talking about talking about baseball games and how it's really been really the first time MLB the show's been on Xbox. We uh we talked about it, Matt the first game that you play uh, well one of the last MLB games you played
1: was that first Albert Pujols year with the Angels, right? Yeah so so the previous one. So yeah, I had a PS3 and obviously I mean, I've been playing MLB games since 2005. But uh the MLB 12 the show, I got that one for PS3 and I really loved it. You know, I'm an Angels fan. That was Mike Trout's rookie year. That was Albert Pujols first year with the Angels. And Jared Weaver is still there. They signed C.J. Wilson. I love Danny Herron. Garrett Richards was a rookie as well. Mark Trumbo was young and exciting and not terrible yet. <laughs> Kendris Morales. Hey, it's a video game, so you can fix his broken leg. You know, you had Tori Hunter. I love Tory Hunter. I love. I adore Tory Hunter. Um, Irvin Santana. Uh, Jordan Walden was the closer. I love that Angels team. Um, so yeah, twenty twelve MLB twelve the show. I pretty much decided it was gonna be my safe haven, my happy little place. I was going to just be able to play that game and win a bunch of World Series with Mike Trout and Albert Pool Holes, because obviously that's what's gonna happen in real life. Um and yeah, yeah I did not get in, I did not play a new MLB show game until the current one. The one that, that finally came out for the Xbox. And that means I bookended the Albert Pujols contract with my MLB The Show games. I did not play another one. I, I, I dabbled with 14, but I didn't like it. Uh, so I went right back to 12 for the last eight years. And yeah, how about that? It went from Albert's here to Albert's gone. As the Angels straight up released him the other day. Designated for assignment. <laughs> I oh, was dude. shocked. I really was. And then the more and more I thought about it, the more and more it made sense. Yeah. Um, you know, he... Like, Jared Walsh is playing really good at first base. He actually... I believe it's... He he leads the MLB in RBIs from last year in September through now. Um, And then, obviously, Otani takes 80% of the DH at-bats. Mm-hmm. When that's the scenario there's no oh, gun just knocked over my microphone uh when that's the scenario there's no need for the angels to have a first base dh on the bench there just isn't mm-hmm. and it's the last year of the contract so with the way the mlb works it's fully guaranteed you're paying him either way whether he plays or not so you might as well just uh just yeah cut your losses move on and, and there was there was a bit of a, a discussion, it sounds like, on, uh, what day was that? Last week, one day, when the Angels faced a lefty, and Albert was supposed to be in the lineup. And the story I've seen is that management came to Joe Madden and they were like, look, don't put Albert out there. He's not helping the team. And so Madden changed course, and management was like, we want Otani and we want Walsh to get those at-bats. And I get that, you know? Yeah. Um. So Albert was basically like, wow, you know, if I'm not going to play, I don't want to, I don't want to sit, you know, I don't want to end my career a bench warmer. So he asked for his release. They granted it. And here we are. Albert rules is a free agent and the 10 year contract. It's over. And it feels <laughs> weird. Like on one hand, it feels like it flew by. It really does. It does not feel like it's been 10 years (laughs) since that signing and how the St. Louis fans reacted and the big ceremony with him and CJ Wilson. It does not feel, I mean, I was in high school. It does not feel like it was 10 years ago. On the other hand, it feels like it's been 40 years, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So it's interesting. And I just think, you know, it, it, people are gonna call it the worst contract in MLB history, and I got news for you: it's not even the worst contract in Angels history. That belongs to Josh <laughs> Hamilton. So get out of here with all that. All right, the the Albert Pujols <laughs> deal is much better because at least Albert contributed. I mean, I was reading an article that was kind of talking about like the moments of Albert's career with the Angels, and it was a lot of like total milestone things, you know. 600 homers, the RBI is for the most right-handed hitter, that kind of stuff. Right. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't make it worth it. Like, yes, it's a bad contract. But compare that to the five-year, $125 million deal with Josh Hamilton, where he provided you diddly-do, you sent him to the Texas Rangers, and you paid for the con. Like, the Rangers, I think, paid like a half a million dollars to the Angels. And the Angels covered the rest of that deal with Josh Hamilton. <laughs> like, I'll take the Albert deal. 10 years out of 10 over that Josh Hamilton contract. Like, Albert, not to say that he was any good for the Angels. Again, he wasn't. Especially when you compare him to to the, the St. Louis days. Yeah. But, like, it's not like it was a complete zero. Yes, the fact that, uh, you know... Uh, the, the biggest damnation on Albert I think is looking at the success they've had with Mike Trout as a team being minimal, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I don't know. I just think it gets overblown a little bit how terrible he was. And like, there are some players who over the last 10 years would have liked to have averaged, you know, 31 homers per 162 games over his Angels career. I, I bet nobody would have guessed that. That, you know, per 162, again, the per the per 162 averages – that kind of bumps up because I'm assuming health there, but that's a 108 RBI per, per 162 seasons over his Angels career. Just the Angels. I mean, with the Cardinals, I'm sure that, that number's you know, outrageously yeah. big. But yeah. and even with the injuries, over 118 games, an average of 22 homers and 78 RBIs over just 118 games per year. That's that's production. You know, that is yeah. something. There There were some years there. You know, 2012, he did not, I remember like it was yesterday, he did not hit a home run for the month of April when he first (laughs) signed with the Angels, (laughs) and he still ended that year with 30 homers and 105 RBIs. That's very good. That's very productive. You know, 2015, he was an all-star. He had 40 homers with 95 RBIs. He had one, two, three, four years with the Angels of 100 or more RBIs, which again, RBIs, I get it. It's an opportunity stat a lot of times. You know, it helps when Mike Trout is sitting in front of you. He's always going to be on second base for you to knock him in. You know, that's really good for you, but it's something. You still had to put the ball in play and give him a chance to run it in. It It, hurt. it, it, it hurts. It hurts to see him go the way it did. Um, we'll see. Maybe he'll get an opportunity somewhere. I don't really think so. Yeah. Um, maybe, Maybe you know, the Cardinals could use a right-handed bat off the bench. He says he wants to play. Yeah. Um. Which... I don't know. I think it, it'll take an injury, you know. It'll yeah. it'll take someone blowing out their Achilles. I mean, um, it's not really Ryan, like that. Uh, oh, go ahead.
0: Well, it's not like that. Cardinals Clubhouse doesn't have any familiar faces anymore. I mean, there's Yadi still
1: there, Wayne Wayne still there. <laughs> yeah, it, that's uh, Wayne Wright. Like once or twice a year, he's already had two this year. Just these incredible games of, uh, oh gosh, what he went? He had the complete game two weeks ago, and then the other night he almost had a shutout, but he came out with eight in the third, and, and uh, gave up one. I'm trying to find, I took a screenshot of the graphic earlier, and I cannot find the screenshot, but it was of big MLB contracts. I think that that's one of the things where if you think about Albert Pujols and his legacy, uh, uh, his, his Angel's legacy, I think it's probably a warning shot, right? Mm-hmm. Of these big older contracts and so i've got some numbers here for you ryan are you ready for this let's hear them so you got the hour pool holes 10 years 240 million signed in 2012 when he was age 32 then that same off season people forget about this one prince fielder signed a 12 uh, signed a nine year deal for 214 mil so about what 26 less million dollars but one less year yeah. um at age 28 and Prince, he was well out of the league before... I mean, it's been a while now. Now, his was a neck injury, and that kind of ended it for him. Yeah. Um. Then 20, 2014, you had Joey Votto get a 10-year, $225 million extension, at age 30. That contract looks pretty bad right now for the Reds. You know, that's kind of holding them down a little bit. Robinson Cano. This one, honestly, that might even be worse than Albert. Was Cano's 10-year deal in 2014... at age thirty one, it was the same numbers. It was ten years, two forty. That canoe deal. I mean, they trade him to the Mets, and that's an albatross. That's a rough one. Especially when you're Seattle, you're not a big market like LA. You know, the Mm -hmm. Angels, they were able to like that's the amazing part about Albert, too, is that like the Angels were able to take that contract, still sign Josh Hamilton to a awful deal, still sign Anthony Rendon to a massive deal, sign you know, Mike Chop to two big extensions. Signed Justin Upton to do a big contract. Like, yeah, the pitching has sucked. I haven't paid for any pitching. I have a whole list on Twitter you can look at uh, that where I made a list of, like, all of the, like, just off the top of my head, all of, like, the one-off awful pitchers of the Angels over the course of the Albert Pujols contract. Um, but Then also the Miguel Cabrera contract uh, mm. in 2016 when he was 33 for 248 mil for eight years. I, you don't see guys that age getting those contracts right now anymore. You know, I, I think we mm-hmm. kind of went through that period in, like, probably, what, 2014, 15, 16, where we saw, like, guys like, I think Eric Hosmer kind of comes to mind, where it was, like, he wanted the superstar contract because he just saw all those contracts getting signed, and it didn't really happen. Uh, I mean, Machado and Harper, they're young, though. They were only 26 when they signed those deals. That's a six-year gap. Six years. Of those Machado and Harper contracts before they're the age of Albert Pujols when he signed his deal. You know, that's a long time. And I was looking at the guys who are currently in the MLB whose uh, average base salary is 30 mil or, or more. And most of them are either in like their final couple of years or they were signed when they were younger. So you've got... Garrett Cole, that one was signed when he was 29. Trout, he was younger. Uh Trout's twenty-nine right now. Uh Rendon, that one was signed when he was twenty-nine. Strasburg's was signed when he was thirty-one. So that's interesting. He's a pitcher. Uh Granke, I don't have the year he signed his, but he's 37 right now. He's in the last year of his deal. So that one uh Lindor's twenty-seven right now. Bauer's thirty right now, Verlander's in the last year of his uh deal, and it was only a three-year deal, so a little bit less risk there. Uh, Arenado, he's only thirty right now. David Price, uh, thirty-one mil. He's thirty-five right now, but he's only got two years left on that one. Obviously, that's a well-known terrible contract as well. And then you got Kershaw; he's getting close to the end of his. And then you got the Mickey Cabrera one; it's still got a couple years on it. There, thirty-eight years old, and just a rough one, you know. And the Angels could look at the Tigers and see what could have been from a bad side. On yeah. uh, the, those contracts You know the bad getting even worse Potentially so I think It's interesting to see that you know MLB Yeah over these past handful of years it's been a little bit Now where those 30 million Dollar contracts they aren't going to the 32 year old who's done it all Already You know they're not paying that to the Robinson Cano Types or the Albert types You know they're giving it to the 26 27 year old Who's got one year of arbitration left You know um uh, but yeah no right right what did you think when you saw Albert was uh released what was, what was your reaction
0: well I I mean I knew his contract was coming up I knew all that stuff and that whether it was going to be later on in the year or earlier on in the season like it happened that he he was going to be done with this time in the Angels and the future was going to be uncertain whether he was going to officially hang him up or he was going to try to give it a go somewhere else So, when I saw the news, you know, shocked but not shocked that it happened. Um, And again, like you said up at the top, talking about this, it feels like years ago since he signed, but also, I know, I didn't feel that long. Because, I know, looking back, 2019, we both went to, in in different games in that series, when when the Angels came to town in St. Louis, it's the first time he'd been to St. Louis since he left. And that up to that point, it, had, it was year eight of his contract, I believe. Yeah. Or, eight, or year seven or year eight. Oh, uh, year eight. And I was like, it, uh, and part of me looking back on it now is like, that. it was that long ago that he left. But also, it, it felt that long because obviously we had not, number five had not been he had not been playing in, with the Cardinals for a long time. And, but it, you know, when, when that happened, when I saw it come across, it was just, I'm not surprised, but I am surprised, but also my mind immediately goes to like, cause something
1: happened here where he finds his way back to St. Louis. And it could, you know, um, I was listening to some of the one oh one ESPN guys up there talking about it. And, you know, if you're in a playoff pressure situation, do you want John Nagowski pinch-hitting, or do you want Albert Pujols pinch-hitting? You know, um, I think the Matt Carpenter situation does sort of wrinkle that, because then, man, you've got two bench spots that are kind of filling the same role of, of Carpenter and Pujols, and Pujols is even less positional flexibility than Carpenter at this point, you know, because that, that's a big con- money contract, and, and Carpenter is sitting on your bench behind Goldschmidt and Arenado. Now, I will admit, I
0: would like to see it happen. I I do have my doubts. Oh, it'd be fun. About whether. Yeah,
1: it would be fun. It's the type of story you want to see. Sure. I, I would like to see, I mean, it's so, it came out of nowhere, you know? Like, we didn't, it, it it hurts that we didn't really get to say goodbye at all. Like, there was no, you know, he didn't have the G, like, gosh, think about, like, 2016-ish, I'm gonna go with. I feel like we were just parading some legends out there for the Goodbye Tours. You know, David Ortiz, Chipper Jones, Derek Jeter. Um, I feel like Beltron had a little bit of one. I feel like we were just, Mariano Rivera. It was like, pre-announced, this is my last year, and every stadium, they're getting a framed picture, they're getting a jersey, they're you know, doing all this stuff. Albert deserves that treatment. And he didn't yeah. get it, he's not gonna get it. And I think, too, part of the reason I think the angels probably made this move is that like you can't sell tickets off our pools this year. Like Mm -mm. you're only at, you know, I don't know what percent capacity, but Mike Trout and Shohei Otani can fill that stadium up, you know, even at full capacity, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani should be able to fill that stadium up. So it's not even like you can advertise like, Hey, you know, Albert, he's two hits away from having the most hits in the history of first base. Which is true, by the way, and that one really broke my heart when I read that that he's two hits away from the, having the most hits ever by a first baseman. um, come on guys, let him play you know a couple games and get that, you know, yeah, although with Albert, it might have taken eight games, who knows <laughs> um, but you know that so like you can't even parade him out for that because you're only at whatever percent capacity they're at, so I think that was a factor too in it. I do, and that hurts. That that you know Albert Albert's release is maybe almost a fact of the pandemic that you know has has wrecked so much over the last year and a half.
0: Yeah, you know a good way to get those two hits would be in the Saint would be in Saint Louis.
1: Oh sure, yes, a couple pinch hit, hits. Yeah, that'd be fun. I don't know. I just I feel like he was so adamant apparently about wanting playing time. I think if I'm Albert, I'm going to stay in shape. I'm going to go work out with whoever I can work out with, you know, go have Chris Carpenter throw some 90 mile an hour fastballs at you, you know, (laughs) go, go find, you know, whoever you can find and just work out with somebody and stay in shape, stay ready. You know, if you can come back to St. Louis, sure. You know, maybe if that injury doesn't happen, but if I'm Albert, I think, I think if I want playing time, if that's my mentality as Albert, Stay in shape, wait for an injury. It'll happen, you know, mm-hmm. between the, which by the way, this is another heartbreaking reason as to why there should be a DH in the national league, because now a guy like Albert, a veteran who can be a DH, he can be a little bit of a first baseman only has half the league. Who's even going to be interested. Like the Cardinals are the one NL team that I think would even consider no other NL yeah. team. I think is even going to give them the time of day because you don't have the DH as an option. It's stupid that this league has two sets of rules within the league. (laughs) It it cuts the market in half. And that that really sucks for so many guys. And Albert's not alone in that, too. I believe, is Edwin Ancaracion still a free agent? I think he is. And, by the way, if I'm a team, I think I would rather sign Edwin than I would Albert. If I have that need at at that specific spot of a first-base DH type, Edwin's been pretty darn good the past handful of years um but yeah it, it cuts your market in half there's only 15 teams that have the position for him and one of them by the way is the team that released you imagine the yeah. egg on their face <laughs> if uh you know like let's just say jared walsh gets abducted by aliens and it turns out that shohei Otani is gonna go join the avengers well <laughs> we can really use you now albert you know uh you want to come on back <laughs> But I do, I think, I I have a feeling, my gut says the Yankees because of how injury prone Giancarlo Stanton is. Mm. That's just like, that's just, it, it keeps on coming back to me that I'm like, man, you know, Stanton gets hurt every year. He's their DH. All it takes is one Giancarlo Stanton oblique injury one time where he swings and the ball hits his hand all it takes is one thing for Giancarlo Carlos to be out for the season it doesn't take a whole lot that, that, that hurts too and then Albert could go be a Yankee and that would that would be painful to look at ah, that would hurt yeah. <laughs> you know but that, that's the team I keep on coming back to I saw the Cleveland Indians could be a potential landing spot Uh, yeah. they could use some offense for sure but I don't know I don't know. He's one of the all-time greats. He is. I think it's tough to say between him and Trout because Trout hasn't had that second half yet. We'll see what Trout's second half is like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think those are the two best hitters I've ever seen. Miguel Cabrera is probably right there with them both. Um, but yeah, that that's that's the Albert Pujols story, I guess. Yeah. And I think we should mention the, the White Sox with Tony La
0: Russa already been there. He's already kind of shot that down as well.
1: Yeah, well, in their team, too. Your mean, your mean, Mercedes had just a magical first few weeks there in April. And if you're the White Sox, yeah, he doesn't have. Like, Mercedes is kind of a pure DH type of guy. So you're kind of stuck there. Obviously, you have uh, reigning AL MVP, Jose Abreu, over there at first, so you don't have a spot for him right now. You know, it could take an injury or it could take Mercedes crashing down to nothingness, you know, in order to open up the spot there.
0: Yeah. I'm, I ours got to do. I think, yeah, like you said, just stay in shape, stay ready and get ready to answer that phone because it, there will be an injury that will come down the road. Yeah. Whether yep. it's a week from now, a month from now, or, Right when it's getting right for
1: playoff time. It's well I believe I saw to. the uh this this April had the most ha, had or it was what was it? This year's April had more IL stints than each of the past two Aprils combined. Oh man. I think I think that's what I saw. Now I don't know I guess they're referring to twenty nineteen and twenty eighteen. They may have meant to say like August of last year because that was the first month of the season. I'm not sure. Um, so it might have been April of 2018 and 19. I'm not entirely sure on that one, but yeah, uh, injuries are up. My, my fantasy team can look you in the eye and tell you that one. <laughs> all right. Uh,
0: I think that's gonna do it for uh for us here. Uh, Matt, it was great having you back on talking you talking to you about all this stuff and. Well hey, I guess i will let you get here. back
1: and uh we'll
0: let you uh get back to godfatherly duties, I guess.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, and you continue to uh to mentor my young mobster. Um But no, Ryan, you know, by the way, I mentioned earlier how uh you know, guys are getting these big ten year thirty million dollar contracts still before they hit thirty. Well Ryan, I'm only twenty six, so if you wanna lock me up ten years <laughs> I'll go for the Albert deal. Ten years two hundred forty, yeah. So you, yep. you just tell your accountant to send that my direction. I'll get you an in invoice and we'll we'll work that out. All right,
0: sounds good. We'll talk right after we can get done taping this. <laughs> uh, so that'll do it for us here. Uh, there were a couple other tidbits I know. Um, I also I I want to shout out to probably the only time I'm ever gonna shout him out, Russell Westbrook oh. for passing Oscar Robertson last night for the most triple doubles. In NBA history, I know a lot's been made about the triple doubles, like it's over exaggerating somewhat, but uh, do what he's done in the past, a legend like Oscar Robertson. Just shout out to him, what he's done. I think I saw where he's averaged a triple double for the last five
1: seasons. God, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's nuts. <laughs> I mean, my NBA, like, paying attention has kind of fallen off the last few years, but my goodness, that's a silly, that's a silly stat. <laughs> I think, that, you know, Matt, there's another stat
0: we can, due to, you know, Steph Curry. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, Probably the greatest yeah. shooter ever.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. He, uh, what was it? He's only like 83s behind Ray Allen.
0: Yeah. And Ray Allen's played 600 more games than him, I might think the stat Jesus. was. Well,
1: Steph's whole, Steph, like, the whole month of April, like, I mean, I saw a uh, shooting star, but I think that was actually just Steph Curry flying around the world on fire. (laughs) It may have been. Steph was just on fire for the whole month. It was, it was peak silly Steph Curry. Where it's like, no, 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 okay, he made it, alright, fair enough.
0: It was a it was kind of a little bit of a flashback to his unanimous MVP season. Yeah. When he was just doing all this insane stuff. But uh yeah, those are a couple little shout outs to the NBA there. So that'll do it for us here, everybody. Stay safe. Take care. We'll talk to you next time. Be sure to go check out the pod on all the podcasting platforms, all that what uh, and whatnot. Check out the views and entertainment. Twitter
1: account five seven three pods Matt. Where can people go find you? Uh, they can find me at Real Matt Mormon on Twitter. There's always some fun football stuff going on there. Um, yeah, I saw. Oh, you know what, Ryan, we didn't mention Tebow. Tebow signed with the Jaguars to be a tight end. Um, I had some fun fun with that also on Twitter. I did see that there's some fun uh, Dynasty Football uh, free agent signings with him too. So that's that's a good time. Only
0: we can find a way to end a podcast with talking about Tebow. (laughs) It's the last thing we talk about. So... Had to slide him in there. Yeah. (laughs) That'll do it for us here, everybody. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next time.